Know, O prince, that between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis, and the gleaming cities, and the years of the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of, when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world like blue mantles beneath the stars. Nemedia, Ophir, Brythunia, Hyperborea, Zamora, and its dark-haired women, and towers of spider-haunted mystery, Zingara with its chivalry, Koth that bordered on the pastoral lands of Shim, Stygia with its shadow-guarded tombs, Hyrcania whose riders wore steel and silk and gold, but the proudest kingdom of the world was Aquilonia, reigning supreme in the dreaming west. Hither came Conan the Cimmerian, black-haired, sullen-eyed, sword in hand, a thief, a reaver, a slayer, with gigantic melancholies and gigantic mirth, to tread the jeweled thrones of earth under his sandaled feet. Robert E. Howard Welcome to this week's special episode of Warfare, Advancement, Revisionism. My name is Preston Floyd, and as always, I am your host. So, uh, for those of you that are familiar with at least the Conan the Barbarian movies, that monologue sounds a little familiar at least. That is an excerpt from uh, Robert E. Howard's uh, first Conan story. Uh, I think it is... Um, uh, I think it is just Conan the Barbarian is what I read it from. Uh, that's a Penguin uh, publishing uh, version. I think there are a few different ways you can find that. Um, and I'll go into like the publication history and that kind of stuff a little bit as well. Uh, but yeah, so this week's special uh, Spooky Season episode focuses on uh, Conan the Barbarian, or uh, Conan the Sumerian, um, which is, a, of course, a kind of sword and sorcery hero from a lot of um, early, I think, uh, 20s and 30s, like Penny, uh, Penny Dreadful, Pulp Magazine type things, which, of course, uh, was eventually made into a couple of movies starring... Arnold Schwarzenegger, as well as um, games, uh, animated, like I think there was a cartoon I've never seen for Conan, but I do think there was one, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's what this is about. And first, uh, I guess we should start with the author, uh, which is Robert Irvin Howard, or uh, Robert E. Howard. Uh, he was born in Texas in 1906. Uh, and he lived there, I think, his entire life. Um, I know he died there, certainly. Um, but he, he grew up in a lot of boom towns. Uh, uh, at that, you know, also in the Dust Bowl, that kind of time frame. So, uh, pretty rough early life. Um, and uh, he was, um, I think, pretty much entirely like. Uh, I wouldn't say self-educated, but he did a lot of extracurricular reading. I think his mother was a big part of that. Um, uh, but he was not just a, a very bookish person, though he was very bookish. Uh, he was also into boxing, bodybuilding, um, that kind of thing. And he started writing very early. Uh, I think his first, um, his first kind of... <clears throat> published work was in the uh when he was around 20 or 21 but he didn't uh, he didn't kind of hit like uh 
true success until a couple years after that. Um, he did die very young. He died at the age of 30. Um, he committed suicide. Um, he was very close with his mother, and he had been taking care of her for the last couple of years of his life. And um, I think she slipped into a coma. Uh, he was told he, she was never going to recover. And um, he just kind of went out to the car and shot himself after he heard this. Uh, and there's some, like, I've heard some, like, theories and stuff that, like, it was some kind of weird edible thing. But I don't think that's the case. Uh, there is, um, there's plenty of evidence that he had been kind of planning this for a while. He had kind of already had his affairs in order well before this happened. So I think he was just kind of waiting till his mother wouldn't be around anymore. It's like either to disappoint her or he didn't have to worry about that. So um, very unfortunate, but um, he is, you know, uh, or was, I should say, um, a very uh prolific writer and I would say very influential probably more influential than a lot of people would realize um, but there are criticisms you could make of his work and people have um, he wrote a lot which is very impressive and he wrote um, I think and the the criticism I see a lot is that people kind of say that he either aped like styles from other I guess maybe more famous authors at the time uh, people like H.P. Lovecraft who he was uh, in communication with and he you know they talked a lot back and forth about mythos and Howard did include some of H.P. Lovecraft's like Cthulhu mythos into his writing some of the demons and the great old ones he made a lot of references to um I think Jack London is another person that he's kind of compared to, but just because of the adventure and kind of um, nature uh, survivalist elements of his stories. But I think that kind of overlooks some of Howard's uh, own talents. Um, did he mimic some styles? I mean, sure, I guess possibly. But um, I don't think anyone could quite tell a story quite like him. He... I mean, he, he made a, you know, I guess he was in, I think it might be kind of a good way to say that, like, he was trying to tell stories, um, these kind of these grand adventuring stories, and he just kind of had to get them out as quick as possible. You know, almost like they were eating away at him, and he just kind of just exploded them onto page in kind of a quick and... Um, as quick and as uh, fierce a way as he could, and I think that's a kind of a good way to describe his his work. Um, but I enjoyed it. I've read uh, I've read a number of the Conan books or short stories because there are a lot of short stories. I've also read um, some of his um, some of his um, uh, poetry stuff, which is a lot of that's related to some of his Conan things. Um, but he, he actually has a few different genres. Um, his fantasy work is his more his is of course his most famous. Um, but he does like uh, he did horror. In fact, I think Stephen King, who who did criticize him a little bit, um, I think he mentioned one of his horror stories was 
in Stephen King's opinion, like one of the best horror stories ever written. Um, I forget what it was. I'll, I'll see if I can find that quote while I'm kind of going over my notes here. But um, he, uh, Conan is not his only um, fantasy character. He also did um, Solomon Kane, uh, Cull the Conqueror, uh, which was another, uh, I think they made that into a movie as well. Uh, then there's uh, Bron Mockmorn. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he had a few different kind of um, uh, characters that, uh, serial characters, I guess you'd call them. They, they show up in a number of different stories. Uh, Steve Costigan is one of his, like, pirate swashbuckling characters. So um, he's got a very large kind of, um, uh, I guess, bibliography uh, that he that he kind of has um and if you'd like to get uh the conan like the original books and short stories there's a few different um uh like collections that you can find um because they're not necessarily they weren't published in order uh, i think there has been some attempt by some to kind of go back and kind of uh re i guess uh re-edit them and put them in like a kind of a coherent order or at least a chronological order uh, and that's that's kind of what i had read i'd read like a part one of three that that had been done um but so um but to kind of get to the specifics of i guess conan uh the sumerian um he is actually not the uh, the first character that he created uh, i think that goes to cull the conqueror um and one thing that you should keep in mind with this um howard this is not a pure fan fantasy setting at least not in the sense you might understand it um howard was very influenced by a lot of um the kind of the sciences of his day uh kind of like a lot of popular uh historical and like mythological theories um i wouldn't be surprised if he had read a lot of like spangler which was a german historian he had a very popular theory at the time of like the rises and falls of civilizations um but uh again i i admit, i know i mentioned earlier but howard was very well read um, he understood like a lot of maybe obscure historical references that like H.P. Lovecraft had made in some of his works. Like uh, he made some some kind of obscure reference to I think it was like the Picts, um, and Howard had written a, a letter to the I guess the editor of the magazine that the work was published in, and he you know he kind of praised Lovecraft's work because of these like very obscure and kind of hidden references and how deep it was and the editor liked the letter so much he i think he ended up forwarding love hp uh, lovecraft and uh, that's kind of how robert e howard kind of fell into that uh, social circle um and i know that there are those that these days do not uh are there's a lot more criticism of Lovecraft these days for some rightfully pretty atrocious uh, racial views, even for his time, uh, which is generally how I feel people should be judged. 
Um, even in the time that he lived in, Lovecraft's views were still pretty extreme. Um, Howard does not seem to have had those uh, views. I think he doesn't kind of get nearly as much criticism for his um, for some of the more, uh, shall we say, outdated ideas that he puts in his books because they're not uh, they're not overtly like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, cruel or demeaning um, he definitely believes that there you know um, that there was some differences between different peoples but he would never even in his books they're not bad compared to Conan they're just different compared to Conan and I think uh, in several of his stories Conan kind of um, uh, could be considered to be a more bad guy than the people he's sometimes dealing with um, and I think that that's kind of an interesting thing, um, because Conan's not just a straight up and up hero, at least not all the time. He is very much a, um, well, as we said in the, the quote at the top of the episode, uh, he was a thief. He was a reaver among other things. Um, that's not to say he's all good or all bad. He's just, um, he's very much a more, a very, um, kind of, uh, a deep character, or at least a complicated one, uh, which is why I think he's kind of stuck around in the popular consciousness, even though um, these days he might not be quite as popular as he had been. But yeah, so let's talk about the world of Conan, the world that he lives in. Um, the Hyborian Age, or um, is kind of uh, is the world I guess that Conan occupies. Uh, and it is um, Howard himself. He did like an essay on the hyper, uh, the Hyperborean age, and he talks about like it being kind of a mythical era um, before any kind of civilization known to to modern day man. Uh, it is in Europe in North Africa, like that's where these stories take place. However, um, there are some unusual geographic features in that kind of thing. Um, there is not a Mediterranean ocean, um, or I, I'm sorry, Mediterranean sea. Uh, there's several rivers that do know that don't exist. Um, so think of it as like a world where, um, uh, the Mediterranean has not entered into Europe, which as we know has been that way for quite a while. Uh, and, uh, at the time frame that he's, setting Conan in, which is, I think, um, some people say it's around 30, anywhere between 30 to like 10,000 BC is kind of when these stories could have happened. Um, the Mediterranean was there. There's, there's no other way around that. Um, but to be fair to Howard, um, some of his, I guess, theories about how the world would have been shaped at that time, uh, specifically how India and Africa where they're connected at. Um, uh, he was reflecting kind of what a theory, of a, a very popular theory of what the world would have uh, been like at that time. Uh, I don't think uh, plate tectonics, that theory had, had really been properly developed and vetted yet. Uh, so he kind of went with what was popular and what some of the... Um, more interesting writers of his day were kind of putting out there. Um, 
they include I think meth, meth, uh, references to like a ancient like theoretical lost continent of Mu, which would be like uh, east of uh, Southeast Asia. So it's like north of Australia and uh, just off the coast of uh, things like Papua New Guinea and the Philippines. So um, just kind of uh, just a little interesting factoid. Um, and uh, of course, there are plenty of references to uh, people mentioned in the Bible, as well as um, kind of pseudo historical names like Ketan uh, is kind of the land that China is sort of mentioned in. I think Yamatai is mentioned with just Cortes's um, uh, ancient Japan. That's one of the words for it. Um, and a lot of the people that are or groups of people that are mentioned in the stories, um, they have uh, they're named for, of course, uh, gods, uh, uh, mythological uh, places. Um, so these people kind of take names. So it's kind of like a connection between our idea of the ancient world and this even earlier version. So like those people's names come down in legend, even if those peoples aren't remembered. Um, and in fact, uh, Hyperborea is a, is a kind of a Greek, um, idea, uh, even for the name. Um, it's, uh, it's like, I think the technical translation is, uh, super north land. Um, so it's, it's abbreviated in the story as, as the Hyborian age, but that comes from the idea of Hyperborea, which was a Greek um, which was a Greek kind of idea as this, um, again, it's literally super Northland. I think the actual way it's rendered usually in English is, um, the land beyond the Northern wind is kind of the more artistic way to say that, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, but, uh, it is occupied, um, Hyboria uh, occupied by a number of different tribes. Um, you have um, Conan's people who are kind of a proto-Celtic people. Um, this has kind of come around from the fact that uh, uh, their their god, uh, Krom, <laughs> uh, which is uh, um, Conan's um, uh, chief deity of his people, um, that is kind of a shortened version of uh, a Celtic deity. Um, it could either be Crom uh, Croc or Crom uh, Dub, um, and those are kind of like um, it, it. There's there's a couple of different things it 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 could refer to there, but they're basically like Irish or Pictish um, versions of like a Celtic older kept a god and uh, they can be kind of represented a few different ways um, I, I really don't want to kind of get too much into the Celtic aspect just yet because I, I plan on doing some kind of episodes on those uh, those deities specifically uh, but Krom is definitely one of the um, higher points of uh, the Conan world building um He's the chief god of the Sumerians. Um, and he kind of sits in a mountain and he kind of just looks down and just kind of radiates death and doom and that kind of 
that kind of stuff. Uh, and you generally don't call upon him. Uh, you don't, you know, you don't want to ask for his help because he doesn't. He hates weaklings. He is very much a um, he's very much a god who helps those who helps themselves, or at least uh, he's a god that uh, doesn't destroy people. <laughs> Who help themselves? It might be a better way to describe Crom. Uh, in fact, Crom is kind of a little odd. He doesn't. He, as far as I know, at least in the stories I read, he doesn't really interfere with anything. Um, he doesn't cause any kind of action in the stories. Um, in fact, there. I mean, there's almost no evidence that Crom exists, except in you know that Conan believes in him. Um, whereas there are other, uh, gods and demons that do have outcomes on the, um, on the world, uh, specifically the great old ones. Um, I think, um, you know, again, I, I referenced H.P. Lovecraft earlier, excuse me, um, Howard does have those gods or there, at least their servants show up in stories. Uh, and in fact, there are, um, there are other real-world uh, deities from ancient peoples that show up, and he connects them as great old ones. He kind of shows them as different as how they actually appeared in our histories. Um, but there are other gods that do show up and that, that are good. I think there is um, one story where um, Mitra, um, which is a, a god in a few different uh, places, or at least an aspect or kind of similar god to each other in the um, in Iran and India. Um, there is a but there is a version of Mitra in one of the uh, Conan stories where um, a, a princess is trying to save her people from a invading lich, and she prays to um, the god of her ancestors, and she receives an answer from him saying that. He, she should appoint the first man she meets on the way back home uh, as leader of her army, and of course that's Conan. Um, uh, and spoiler alert, Conan wins the battle, saves her from the Lich, so uh, good, good call by Mitra. <laughs> um, so, um, some other aspects about Hyborian. Ah, so, uh, this is not the earliest... Um, Robert E. Howard did the uh, exp um, the kind of the literary universe. He created his own. He has um, the Hyborian Age actually takes place in our world, much like his earlier stories with Cull of Atlantis or Cull the Conqueror. Um, Hyboria takes place after uh, Atlantis sinks into the ocean, as we pointed out from the. Uh, the excerpt at the top of the episode. Um, so, Cull's stories take place kind of like it's supposed to be around 100,000 uh, BCE, give or take. So, you know, Conan takes place after Atlantis has fallen and uh, people are, they revert to these primitive barbarian tribes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so pretty, pretty deep lore um, for, you know, for a guy that basically spent nine years kind of building it out. And even again, I know that there was that criticism with his writing, his maybe not being the most technically proficient, but he tells a good story, and uh, it's it's nice that he could kind of 
build that world, uh, you know, with all these kind of desperate uh, and separate kind of ideas from uh, fields that were basically, in some ways, pseudosciences at the time he's writing. Um, or at least some of the more popular theories were definitely pseudoscience, shall we say. Um, but uh, to talk about Conan himself, so of course there's the fantastic uh, Conan the Barbarian and the very average Conan the Destroyer uh, that followed afterwards. Um, and uh, those are those are pretty good movies. I, I enjoy them both. I know Conan the Destroyer is not nearly as good as Conan the Barbarian, but, uh, you know. Um, there was also, I think, the Jason Momoa did uh, a tooth... Was 2010 or 2012 something like that i haven't seen that movie um i think it's actually v- very closely related to one of the uh short stories whereas at least the first conan movie i don't know if that's i think there are aspects it took from some of the short stories but i don't remember at least in the books i've read or listened to from conan i don't remember False Doom, which is James Earl Jones's character, uh, being in any of those. Um, so I, I need to do a little bit of research. And again, I, I probably would go back and just do some episodes on those movies. But um, so uh, yes, Conan is uh, is a Sumerian. He is um, he is a bit of a scoundrel. <laughs> I think. Uh, he uh, he's very much in that uh, pre-Tolkien sword and sor- sorcery kind of dynamic where you know uh, you have thieves uh, breaking into tombs, stealing things, you know, getting rich, uh, fighting. Conan is a pirate in some stories, um, sailing like rivers and uh, seas on kind of the outskirts of the world that they live in. Um, then you have, um, but he he does have some good aspects. He is uh, he is fairly chivalrous for an ancient barbarian. He he doesn't like to be in conflict with women if he can help it. Um, though he does on occasion have to fight sorceresses and things like that. So, uh, but he is uh, generally very deferential to women, uh, though he is a lover of them and they of him in many situations. Um, and uh, the stories kind of progress. Conan starts as just like a kind of a young vagabond trying to make his way in the world after his uh, tribe was kind of driven into the four corners and broken up. Um, and he, uh, you know, he is the, himself the son of a blacksmith. I think that's something that is carried over in the movies. Uh, but as time goes on, he kind of progresses from this kind of like like just dumb thug almost to a very seasoned warrior and adventurer and he takes part in like military actions he kind of joins up as like a kind of a sergeant or second in charge in some cases and eventually he becomes a leader uh, of warriors and armies in his own right Uh, and he does establish himself as as the king of aquilonia so he kind of unites this uh this kind of central region that will eventually be flooded by the Mediterranean in uh, the future. 
um, but he does this with his own skill and that kind of thing. So um, uh, I guess you might consider it like the Roman Empire before the Roman Empire, uh, just without the Republic beforehand and just controlled by Conan and I'm assuming his numerous descendants. Um, uh, they did do some continuation stuff for this after um, I think Howard died. I think there were plenty of stories written after the fact. Um, they kind of bring into some of the more uh, foreign, like Eastern lands that I don't know that Howard himself specifically mentioned. But um, yeah, there are some very interesting things that Howard included in these stories that are that were true to life. Uh, things about the Black Sea and the um, um, and the Caspian Sea. Um, being more northward than it is now a little bit larger in the black sea i don't think the um i know the black sea doesn't exist in his world as it does in ours but at the time it wasn't even a sea it's a lake in fact uh, one of the big things coming up in season three is the actual formation of the black sea as a sea um but uh yeah so there there's a lot of interesting stuff in world building that he included that based on what we knew at the time could have been very true um and that's from a layman that's someone who's just kind of read like pulp well not pulp but kind of just very theoretical and speculative works by very um learned or uh, semi-learned professionals in that field i guess at the time um but yeah, the, the world he was growing up in, Howard was growing up in, um, I, it, it, was, uh, it was a rough one, especially in Texas at that point. This is, there were a lot of oil towns booming at that time, and there's a lot of um, crime and just uh, corruption from a lot of local officials, especially uh, lack of corruption being able to be curtailed by state and federal officials um you had a lot of conflicts between uh you know forces that ideally should have been working together to kind of curb those excesses but um so it was kind of a rough and tumble world and that kind of shows you know uh in some of his stories conan's almost in some ways a western uh and i think howard did do some westerns as well um but uh, there are a lot of tropes in some of the Conan stories, or at least um, that I don't think showed up prior to him. Or at least um, he may have developed some older tropes to kind of fit a more modern narrative and kind of hit them well enough. And I think some people have kind of taken that um, from those stories and kind of incorporated it in their own things. Um, but I highly recommend Conan. Uh, especially uh, if you're trying to, um, you know, maybe get a younger uh, boy interested in reading. Um, there are some stories that would be appropriate for maybe a 10 to 12 year old. Some uh, might be a little less appropriate. Maybe you want to wait until they're maybe, uh, maybe in their mid-teens. But uh, hell, just let them read everything. I don't think you'd cause too much problems. They're, they're very interesting 
the world's great. There are a lot of good horror elements for it. Um, the gods, the demons, Conan has to fight and deal with. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I, I do want to kind of go a little bit more in-depth for some of these. Um, uh, I think for maybe some future kind of uh, bonus episodes, that might be something to talk about. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, I do thank you for listening. I hope this maybe gets you thinking about reading uh, those uh, Howard's uh, stories. Um, there are some decent continuations, from my understanding, for Conan. I, I haven't read any of, them, any of them. I've only read the Howard ones. Of course, they were comic books for a time as well. Um, I think they tried to reboot it recently, but from what I understand, it wasn't actually focused on Conan too much. It was kind of focused on more characters that and Conan just kind of shows up in the stories and wrecks shit and things like that. But, uh, yeah. Um, it's a shame that they really haven't been able to get it, get it too popular since then. But, um, I recommend them. I'd say, you know, uh, eight and a half out of 10 for the ones I've read, which again, I think it's like the first third of the Howard, books or stories but um i'm actually in the process i probably once i finish a book i'm reading through now for um for season three i will probably start listening to the conan book after my research is done that's generally how i do things these days i'll i'll read a book or listen to a book for research um kind of compile all that stuff uh and then once it comes time to actually script and plot things out, I'll switch to something that's a little bit more, um, uh, more relaxing or fun reading as opposed to learning reading. Uh, so I'm kind of on this cycle right now. Uh, next week, uh, for the, uh, Halloween episode, I'm actually thinking of reviewing a, believe it or not, a K drama set kind of in a, uh, prehistorical Korea. Um, I need to watch, it'll probably be on just the first one or two episodes. Um, I, I don't know if it's a historical, but I do think there are a lot of, um, I do think there are some supernatural elements to it. I'm not sure. Uh, I myself am not that familiar with Korean, um, television. Uh, I am a big fan of Korean horror. There have been some very good Korean horror movies, um, that came out, you know, within the last five to ten years. Um, of course, Parasite was a big hit. That's not necessarily horror, per se, um, but uh, things like The Host, Last Train to Busan. Um, I'm more familiar, at least when it comes to Asian stuff, I'm more familiar with uh, Japanese TV and movies, but uh, I have watched some Korean films, so I'm kind of looking forward to this. I want to see how they kind of do that, but... Um, that will probably be next week's episode. Uh, and then uh, we will have uh, just one more uh, kind of spooky season episode after that. And then we'll be back to the regular podcast for a time. Um, in fact, I would not be surprised if um, we'll have some bonus episodes, of course, in the you know within this time frame a little bit after that. But um, I think season three 
is probably going to take... I wouldn't be surprised if it's at least half this year coming up. Um, it may be six months total, give or take. Um, maybe a little bit more than that. I'm still... Right now, I've gotten most of the African episodes kind of plotted out. Um, but I think when you include everything else, there's a whole lot to go into. I may have to start kind of culling to like not cover quite as long of a period of time. I, anyway, I'm still thinking about it. I just kind of want to keep everyone updated. But um, yeah, so I hope you've enjoyed the Conan episode, uh, the Hyperborean Age. Um, I hope you you know you get uh, tempted to read it a little. Um, and again, I think I am going to go in depth on a little of these. That might be something to do like for a bonus episode, like maybe around you know Christmas or something around those times. But um, We'll see. Uh, it, it will happen at some point or another. But um, anyway, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you'll be back for next week's episode. And I hope you will also listen to the the normal episode of the podcast, which will be coming out the uh, same day as this one. Um, I think this one's going to come out probably uh, in Monday afternoon, and the of course the. Um, the normal or the the regular episode will be out. I've already had that scheduled. It'll be out at the normal time, which is uh, 1 a.m. Eastern. But thank you all. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Goodbye.